I'm Jeremy Greer. I'm Gary Butterfield. And this is the first episode of Days of Future Cast. Thank you all very, very much for donating to the Patreon and supporting it and getting this show off the ground. Absolutely. We really do appreciate it. It's been, uh, you know, we were we were anxiously watching and I finally hit that uh, Malcolm Gladwell tipping point uh, <laughs> of, of getting up there. Um, so we just wanted to, uh, we go over the premise of the show. We're not going to do too much of that because we do that in the episode. Um, this is the the pilot. Uh, and full disclosure, um, let's say like, you know, 9-11-2 happens. Uh, we're not going to talk about it because all these episodes were recorded a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> so uh if, if anything bad happens and you're just like why are these guys not talking about or like the election maybe that's a less uh alarmist thing to think so like why aren't these guys mentioning the fact that like the president on you know x-men animated series mirrors our own times or something like that like uh it's because these are recorded the first season's recorded a while back we we got these kind of under our belt and uh, this episode has already come out um, as a pilot but we want it in the same continuity and the same rss so if you're gonna listen to the show we figure you'll listen to this first one again to kind of refresh your memory, and then we'll be back uh, on our regular schedule with the next episode. And we're going to be putting out episodes every other week. So um, mm-hmm. we're going to we have four episodes that cover the first season of the animated series. Those are going to be coming out every other Saturday, um, yep. and then after that, we're going to do uh, in between episode where we talk about every, basically in between, uh, it, seasons. In between seasons, we're going to be uh, covering the movies starting with X Men number one. Um, so. That's that should be a good time. I really want because we're gonna get to the like the Wolverine and, <laughs> uh, and and like all that stuff, and I'm really oh, yeah. really excited about it. And they're and they're doing that X Men TV show now too. Like they they've got an X Men yeah. TV show named Legion, which just is gonna be bonkers. But looking at the trailer, That's, so it's really yeah, it's a really emotional like thing about like the you know the uh, you know multiple personality son of Charles Xavier. It's very weird. Yeah, yeah Legion is a weird character to focus on um, there. The um so we uh and th- so we've got stuff to where we could do the show for pretty much as long as we want. We'll keep doing it as long as it's fun and it, it sticks uh sticks a thing. A couple of people have asked mm-hmm. like, oh, once you get to a Patreon goal, what happens if it dips below? Um, the RSS feed does not immediately deactivate because somebody's credit card got declined. Um, the kind <laughs> Cole of, doesn't have a big red button just to yeah, shut this whole motherfucker down. <laughs> um, the tolerance that we were looking at uh, that Cole and I discussed, we haven't announced it yet, but we are planning to. Um, is two hundred and fifty dollars below for forty days or more? Uh, that seems that perfectly reasonable. 40, forty days is long enough to where it's one whole Patreon cycle with some time on either end. Two hundred fifty dollars is a significant amount of money, and it really just comes down to it's not because we don't like doing the show or anything. It just comes down to uh, me being too busy to work for free. Um, so it is. Uh, hopefully, I don't think that it will happen. We just want to let you guys know, and also people were asking. Yeah. So, um, it, it was, was but, like I immediately had like two or three people in Slack that said that asked that question, and then like also just in my own head of like you know I never really thought about it. Like watching that number move over the last month has really been yeah educating as how much that number moves. Like I just kind of had always assumed like oh yeah they're you know getting my x amount of dollars per month and it just stays at wherever it stays. But no that I think moves around a lot. It, it does it it does and and it happens you know credit card issues and it happens when people just have life situations. And again this is not this whole thing is not me admonishing anybody who can't afford to support because i totally understand that um it's just you know and so we're not holding it hostage i don't want to instill a sense of insecurity to anyone into anybody just uh just so you know that's the that's the network policy for that um yeah and every and and if you want pirated episodes you can go to luckfeed.tv a site that i run (laughs) (laughs) has all of the patreon exclusives yeah it has all the patreon exclusives it has like covert recordings of like Mm -hmm. houseboy rent parties 
yeah. boy, rent party sounds dirty, like 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 a like a like a rent boy or you know. But it's it's really just where we determine who pays what for rent. So it sounds dirty, but it's not really dirty when we do that. Yeah, if you um, said houseboy key party, I'd be a lot more concerned. Key pro- <laughs> yeah, everybody wins. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, because uh, we all live in the same place. Um, yeah, it is. Uh, uh, the other thing, too, is that uh, occasionally we may take. So we're going to try to record these as big seasons uh, in kind of short order and then put them out afterwards. It's just going to way it works around the, the watching and recording schedule uh, for mm-hmm. me. So there may be breaks between seasons um, after that movie episode of like two weeks. But um, hopefully it won't come to that. It's just we want to I want to prep you in case that happens. And I, I did a poll online and that's what people I would prefer out of a bunch of different time friendly options. um yeah so i think that i think that's probably it right that's probably it like i'm good i hope you guys really enjoy these episodes i think they're some of the funnier things that i've ever been a part of so i'm I'm really really excited excited yeah (laughs) Yeah. i I hate uh having work done that is no one has seen because i'm a sad little eagle man and uh it is uh to actually have those come out is really great so and i just want to say like thank you everybody like i up until just this podcast i've never been really been an official duck feed person but i was always kind of on the sidelines and thank you everybody out there for making it happen and like everybody in slack was super nice and excited about this and that just kind of made me feel so good so thank you all very much and thank you gary for like you and cole putting this as one of your patreon goals and for building this network and doing this whole thing like i am kind of in awe with of what you guys do and how much content you put out on a month-to-month basis so this is just absolutely amazing that's very sweet of you you can always judge the, the moral character of somebody by the amount of content they make. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's, that's very sweet of you. No, I, I'm really happy to, to have you, and this is uh, this, this is going to be fun. Yeah, uh, I never said he was a good guy. I just yeah, said he made a lot of podcasts. He's prolific. Like, that's the, my, uh, I had a friend who was like way into this band called The Residents. Uh, sure. And the every Residents. single time they came out with an album, he tried to get me into them, and like I never liked it. Um, but it, because I just kept having that conversation, I had to like think of like nice things to say, and I was just like, "Well, those guys really put out a lot of stuff." <laughs> like, I really like that way like, the dude like plays a D chord. Like that's that's legit. Yeah, just, just <laughs> for for the entire song. I mean, that's not the kind of intolerable experimentation that band is, but that's another. But anyway, um, so without further ado, here is the episode, and thank you guys very much for us. Yes, and thank you for listening, giving it a shot. And uh, this is important. Um, early on in podcast life, if this show is going to grow, um, now is the time for you to like tell people about it, tweet about it, rate and review it on iTunes. Um, yes. If we can get into like the new and noteworthy and the the culture, you know, the hobby section of this, that'd be really great. Um, we don't have that video game edge to kind of like push us up because video games are a really popular podcast for them. So if you like this, uh, it is more important than than you might think to to actually turn your your feelings into deeds. So please do so. Please, please. We appreciate it. And enjoy the episode. Energy blast, huh? Energy blast, huh? huh? Energy blast, huh? Here's one from a pro. Energy blast, huh? Energy blast, huh? huh? Energy blast, huh? Here's one from a pro. Energy blast, huh? Energy blast, huh? huh? Energy blast, huh? Hello everyone and welcome to the Days of Future cast. My name is Jeremy Greer. And I'm Gary Butterfield. And this is the brand new show that we're running on the Duckfeed Presents channel that is dedicated uh, to the X-Men animated series from the 90s. You guys remember that? I remember that. I love it. 
I'm just going to say that right, right out, right out front. I love this show. I, I, I do too. It's, it's hard to tell how much it deserves it. it, it this is going to be like, <laughs> like here, here's the disclaimer for this. The, uh, I, and, and I don't want to totally put words in your mouth, Jeremy. Uh, I'm going to make fun of the show a lot. Like, oh, absolutely. like a little hot yeah. lot. <laughs> Cause it, it's ridiculous. <laughs> like it is, it is unreasonable, but it's, I have a tons of affection for it. But at the, at the same time that it's ridiculous, it is so fan servicey and it's so great. Like I love the X-Men so much that I, you know, I'll watch the movies, I'll read the comics and then I will watch this dumb show as many times as I can get my hands on it. I love it so much. Even, even while it's just stupid and ridiculous. It is, it is always great. I, I, I too, maybe that'd be a good way, uh, kind of to start, um, real quick before we get into this. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit, uh, talk about you and you and X-Men? A little bit. And Me then and the I'll X-Men. The um, well, I was born in November of 1980. <laughs> Chris Claremont. <laughs> um, I found comic books at a young age, like most kids do. Um, this was kind of during the, during the heyday of comic books being like a thing. I think somebody had just sold the first Superman for like $60,000. So I could... Um, I could convince my grandmother that all of the comic books she was buying me at the local drugstore were going to be worth something someday. Like they might, they might pay for college. <laughs> <laughs> you poor fool. Or I mean, your grandmother was a um, fool, not you, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So. Hey, hey, watch out, man. Hey, that's She's all right. a nice that's, lady. <laughs> I, I, I sure, sure. Um, so, and you know, you find the X Men, and like you just go crazy. Like I, I loved it. Like it was not Batman. It wasn't Superman. Like it was like it was. They were kids that I could identify with. Um, and I, you know, I, I kept thinking, I didn't really think, but I kind of kept thinking, like, when I finally hit puberty, I'd be like, oh, man, now I can shoot laser beams. Totally. Concussive blast or whatever. Like, I kept thinking it was going to happen up until about 34. earlier this week. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's the reason why they're, they're so good is that there's no origin story for X-Men. It's like by it's it's such a it, and on one hand I think that people can make the argument that like it's kind of lazy that it's just like oh it's just something you're born with in the Marvel universe there are mutants and this is what they are on the other hand it's really genius because one you don't have to spend all that time doing that shit like every movie does have a like this is you know the 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 DNA wipe to guy explaining genetics you know ex, you know kind of telling talking about mutants but you don't have to specifically say like Cyclops was written by by radioactive like you know welding goggle or something like that like it is. <laughs> It could just be anybody. And it makes it really fun and easy to identify with as a kid. Like I did the same thing. That used to be my ritual for going to sleep was lying in bed and kind of daydreaming, you know, like working myself into sleep with these little fantasies about like getting powers and joining the X-Men. Yeah, because, I mean, the coolest thing about reading the X-Men is finding out not only that they all have these powers, but you can get them. Anybody can get them. You don't have to be special. You don't have to be rich kid Bruce Wayne or from another planet. Like you can yeah. literally be anybody. You could be living in like some shitty trailer in Southern Louisiana and realizing like, okay, my life could be just totally changed. I could literally tomorrow meet Professor Xavier immediately. This my, yeah. my life is going to change for the better. It is going to happen. The yeah. um, and 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 also the the power set like on this team. Um, and this is something that like as I, I get older, like I care less about this because I care more about how comics are written. But as a teen, um, the power set on the X Men is. Really really weird and unusual as opposed to something like the justice league, which is like, it's six super strong people plus Batman, you know, it, it's, it's like, it's really kind of boring. And the Avengers are pretty interesting too. Like I, I have a lot of affection for the Avengers, but the, uh, the X-Men are just like bonkers, you know, like it's just like, Oh, like, Oh, this character, like, uh, like the, the powers are complicated and creative, 
you know, like growing up, I was like way into to Gambit. We'll talk about Gambit a lot on this this show, I'm sure, because he's a, a breakout character on this this cartoon. Um, but like his power set, where he like takes you know just inanimate objects and he like makes them explode, like turns things into time bombs, is so creative and weird. It's you know? so weird. My um my wife was watching some of these episodes with me th- during this week, and um, she said, "Can he?" charge anything or is it just playing cards <laughs> that's, that's <very> specific <laughs> and I, said, I think he can do it with anything but he really likes playing cards because you know cajuns love gambling i yeah. guess i don't i don't know what the connection is there it's it's because because uh, they're because so he can throw them because they're somehow literally the easiest thing to throw as opposed to something that like if you have a ponytail and you live in las vegas you can learn to throw you know it's it, it's like he, he doesn't it doesn't do it to like bb's yeah, don't don't throw a throwing knife. Yeah, <laughs> whatever yeah, you do, anything with throwing in the title, like a frisbee, or you know. Um, oh my god! An alternate universe where Gambit just throws like purple frisbees everywhere, <laughs> novelty flying discs. Um, the other well, thing I want to mention me. about the show is yeah. that it's firmly rooted in, in the '90s. This is a time oh. where like the X Men was were, were were kind of big in comic books, and so they are goofy and dumb and like the best way possible and kind of the worst way possible at the same time like there's pouches everywhere they pull all of these weird stories and and storylines and characters from the the comics of the time like cable and it's i mean it gets bizarre the show goes a lot of different places and i again i, ha- I have a lot of affection for it and i i can't wait to make fun of it at the same time but like i i love this era of x-men like i've i've come across, I've, I've gone for Excuse me. I've gone full circle on it. Mm-hmm. Like when I was, I kind of went and said, "Oh, I'm I'm too cool for this stuff now." You know, I'm I'm 18. I'm too yeah. cool. And now I've looped right back around. I'm like, nope, I love it. I'm into yeah. it. Let me read it all from the start. <laughs> it, it, me, me too. It, it is. Uh, it's bonkers. And the show commits to it in a really, really, really great way. Like this is. There's something about X Men in the media where like you can timestamp exactly where the comics came from, and and it happens here where like they're dealing with things that were like, oh, like. This is the the first appearance of the new X Factor. Like I know exactly what year this is from, um, and then it <laughs> happens with like the Marvel versus Capcom two, where it's like Marrow is a playable character, and, and yeah, you know exactly what was happening based yeah, on that. <laughs> in in that uh, in that game, one of Cable's victory poses is the techno organic virus going crazy in his arm, and I'm like, that is such a specific draw. Um, That's you know, so good. <laughs> It's a, it just it's very audacious. So like the the companion piece to the show and the much much better show I think anybody could say in a million years is the Batman animated series, um, and where that show is, you know, was really stylish and tried to go for this like essential Batman ness. The X Men show was very comfortable in just like taking joy in all of the weird excess of the time. Like it was like almost like it was written by people who just knew the comics. Um, but weren't like trying to find what the essential X Men, like what the essential message was. They were just like dealing with these peripheral things that had years of a backstory behind them, and because of that, it just goes in weirder places. You know, it's I don't think it's better. Like the Batman animated series is great, and the guy won all kinds of awards, and he should have. It's much more attractive looking um, in motion and stuff. But this is I like this more. It's more important to me because it is uh, really audacious in a way that the Batman series isn't like, it's not trying to be right high art to it. technicolor, you know, I, I don't, I don't think it's a controversial opinion between me and you to say that the X-Men are just way cooler than Batman ever could be. The X-Men like, are great. Even in, even in Batman's coolest moments. And there's, there's a few of them in comics history. Like I think the X-Men are almost always cooler. Yeah. The X-Men <laughs> are great. Like the, this is uh this is my favorite, like 
this is my favorite. This is my teenage boy thing. Um, exactly. like, and not the teenage boy thing that landed me in the penitentiary, but then this, this is, this is the one that, this is the thing that other people like star Wars. I don't care about star Wars, but I care about the X-Men. I'm invested in the dumb history of this, uh, this, this, uh, group of, group of teenagers with problems and powers. And even when it gets bad, I still really like it. Um, including, including the nineties, which is what this is, is based on. Um, yeah. So yeah, it is, uh, it's, it's gonna be fun to, to go through this. I, I feel like, um, and so the way we're doing the show, um, is we're doing, we're not doing it episode by episode because it's not quite dense enough for that. Um, what we are doing is we're kind of doing it in arcs. So we're doing roughly four episodes at a time with some wiggle room there in case we want to give it an episode or take a episode, which would probably average out to be about three episodes per season, which would, which would end up being about 15 episodes of, uh, mm-hmm. of this, this series. Um, and then, you know, if we decide to do like cover the movies or something, well, it depends on how well this, this goes, but, um, we're covering four episodes today and, uh, this is, this is a real, this is a good set to go on because this is two mini series, two, two parters. Um, yeah. And, and also, uh, these are the ones that I think most people have seen, not least of which, because the first two episodes we're covering today, uh, were given away with pizzas at pizza hut. <laughs> did you get, did you ever get those? No, like, I didn't even know you, about that. Are you serious? Yeah, you can get VHS copies of Night of the Sentinels uh, with pizzas. You, you know, know, I was just sitting here thinking, like, in my mind, pizza. I was like, I didn't, what, what kind of digital code did you get at a Pizza Hut? But no, it couldn't possibly be a digital code. <laughs> yeah. a, they gave you, like, a VHS tape? Like, how much pizza did you have to buy? Was that $80 worth of pizza? <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't need to, but I just did. The, um, I think it was, it was either, it wasn't book it because that would be a weird thing to reward you for like reading books. And now you get to watch this cartoon about lasers. Um, but the, uh, it, it was like, it was like a special, like it was like a cross promotional thing with night of the Sentinels specifically. Like they had two, two different VHS tapes you get. It would just be a VHS tape that had just had one episode on it of, uh, of X-Men animated series. It had the first two, you could get them both. Um, and I think it just came with like large pizzas for a little while. It was like a huge marketing push. Like it wasn't like you had to like eat a commensurate amount of pizza. That is just fantastic. I knew that they did a comic book that was exclusive to Pizza Hut. Um, I had either read about or listened to somebody talk about that somewhere, but I had no idea about you, know, that you would get a pizza, some breadsticks, like some yeah. Cinnabon. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Night of the Sentinels. Um, <laughs> That's great. And, well, there's also a comic about the animated series. Did you ever see that? Uh, yeah, that, that I have seen. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, I have I knew about that and I have seen that, but I was, I haven't seen that in years and I couldn't find a digital copy of it for download somewhere. I need to, I need to go find it. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be interesting to look at because it's, it's just adapting the, the cartoon, which is like adapting the comics in this weird kind of like, there it takes a lot of liberties. Um, it's not super and have you read, um, have you read the most recent comic that since Marvel is doing their big, like world ending thing, special event, they did X-Men 92, which is specifically based on like these characters in this time frame. Have you seen no, any of that stuff? I haven't. I've heard it's really great, but I have not read it. Yeah. I've, I've read the first issue and I was, um, it was one of those d- digital only issues where you have to like wait for the panel to go to the next panel. It just wouldn't let me read it as a normal comic book. And I was like, eh, I'll just wait for the other. And I never went back mm. to it. I feel bad. I should yeah. get back to it soon. Yeah. Yeah, don't I'm, do that. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Marvel. <laughs> don't do that. Um, so yeah, these this came out in the early '90s. Um, the first two episodes are basically one long episode uh, called "The Night and the Sentinels," like Gary mentioned, and uh, this sets up pretty much everything that we're going to see. Um, it starts us off with our team. It gives us a good enemy. It gives us a good crisis going around our team, and I I really like these two episodes, and they're 
boy, are they goofy. Just the first five minutes alone, you get some real like goofy shit happening. The the beginning of it is is super awesome. Um, the uh, when you talk about the intro thing though, the, like these, these episodes do a great job of that because you get the the characterization as as it's portrayed in the show, um, really really well. It's clumsy, right? Like there are definitely parts where characters just kind of say their their origin. <laughs> You know, or they, they, they're they're <laughs> saying their powers out loud or calling each other out and everything, but it's still like weirdly elegant for Saturday morning cartoon fare at the time. Um, and then the threat ends up being kind of a threat, and will have ramifications throughout the whole season. Like this is this is a serialized show. Like every episode is kind of a you know this is a two parter. Every episode is like a monster of the week. But the the threat they introduce this like government program and the the mutant registration act and sentinels will become will have reverberations for like the first two seasons of the show. Like we'll we'll start running into characters, uh, you know, working against that and that having consequences and stuff like that. So it's it's really kind of sophisticated for something designed to sell pizza to eleven year olds. You know? And this is where it's, you know the rich history of the X Men comic books really come in. I have to imagine it's just a gold mine for if you're like tasked with if you're the poor writer that's having to write this Saturday morning series, like and someone hands you two hundred issues of comic books, I'm like, yeah, read this, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and geez. you can just you know smoke a blunt, <laughs> read yeah. some comics, and it's like, yeah, I can write this. This is no problem. <laughs> yeah. You have to get through a, like a whole lot of like just like the Australia X Men fighting the Reavers. And oh, stuff, God. you know, like, which is, which is all great. But again, like it wasn't, uh, there, there's a lot of parts that, that take a little while to get through. So that's where my, my, my recent uncanny run, I, I was going to, I'm going to, I was going to read, read them all from the beginning. And I, that's where I, I, I just petered out, man. I couldn't get past the savage land and all that stuff. Oh, uh, the, God, the savage so land is such a goddamn bummer. We'll, we'll get to there. Like I, I have a lot of opinions about the savage land. Like that is, <laughs> that is when I go to sleep, like whenever I'm playing, like watching this show. And anytime you end up in the comics in the Savage Land, I'm just like, this is the worst. This is so so stupid. Um, So let's talk about uh, episode one. Um, This is, uh, you know, XM 101, Night of the Sentinels, part one. Original air date, October 31st, so Halloween, uh, 1992. And uh, the kind of one note premise of this, uh, we're going to talk about the details and stuff, but is uh, after being attacked by a group of robots known as the Sentinels, Jubilation Lee meets the X-Men, a group of superheroes aiming for peace between mutants and the rest of society. Jubilation Lee. Yes. (laughs) 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 Who uh, is, so something we'll probably, they'll come up a lot in the show, I bet, is uh, misconceptions about uh, the X-Men and everything that are brought up by the cartoon. Um, not least of which is the fact that at no point in the cartoon does Jubilee read as Asian and she's supposed to be, (laughs) except Um, she, except for the one point where she is literally read as Asian when the Sentinel scanner and she comes up as Chinese American. It's the only time it's ever mentioned, (laughs) but she doesn't, she doesn't, she she not looks, she doesn't have any other signifiers, which like, I'm not trying to say like, I expect her to be wearing a rice paddy hat or something, but like, she doesn't like, she doesn't look like. Like she, she's not, it's not really a good example of representation when it's literally just in the Sentinel's mind. Like the, the Sentinel probably feels like, oh, this is a diverse group of mutants I'm stomping on, but it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't actually help for the, the people who are watching the show. There's gotta be a, like a politically correct, uh, Sentinel comic book out there somewhere, right? Like that's had to have happened. Like Grant Morrison wrote for about five years. So it has to have happened at some point. <laughs> there's a, there's the weird, the, the kid who got his Sentinel, the, the tsunami book where like the kid found a Sentinel. And it was like a kid oh, in a giant yeah, robot book yeah. with him with a Sentinel he yeah. reprogrammed. Um, he probably didn't program him to be a racist, but maybe he did. I don't know what happened. Maybe that's why that sh- that book got canceled. Um, 
yeah, so yeah, yeah. In, the, in the first 30 seconds, um, Jubilee's, or excuse me, Jubilation Lee, uh, yes. her adopted parents, her foster parents are discussing uh, registering her with the Mutant Registration Act, which, like, as a foster parent, I don't think you should have the authority to do. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, they're not adoptive parents. <laughs> yeah, you're not, you're not, you're not real mom. Yeah. Like, not we, bio mom. We, we got this out of the scratch and dent bin and I want to send it back. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It, and it seems like they're otherwise they're you know seem to be fairly loving. However, uh, shortly after this, a Sentinel shows up, and this this first Sentinel, like Sentinel Zero, in this animated series, is one of my favorite characters in the whole thing because he's <laughs> such a goddamn idiot. Like, what is, so so in this first couple seconds, he uh, there's a do- Jubilee's dog pops up. Um, according to the wiki, first appearance, Jubilee's dog. Thanks, wiki. Um, the, the dog appears, starts barking at him, and he like reaches down with big clumsy dumb hands to like crush it. I guess. Like, what's he gonna? Yeah. Do what, are, what are you doing to the dog? What's your end I game? I did not Sentinel? understand that. Like, and then uh, he reaches for Jubilee. The way he's gonna get Jubilee out of her house is to reach through her wall and grab her bed. Um, and, and crush it and destroy these people's house because like Sentinels and property damage are a real theme in these couple episodes. Uh, but he gets fooled because Jubilee has stacked up a bunch of like pillows under her blankets. Like one, like the three stooges might fool a like prison warden. Uh, she uses the, to fool this like multi-million dollar giant robot. Yeah, I'm surprised there's just not a poster of uh, Rita Hayworth laying on top of the bed. It's, and it's like, I found her, got her, and she's mo- not moving. Right, like R- Rita Hayworth and the Sentinel Rebellion, R- R- Sentinel Redemption. The, um, so this idiot Sentinel is like, duh, non-organic material with this handful of bed chunks. Um, and like people still live in this house. They didn't move or anything just because they have a big hole in the roof. Like we come back to this house. Oh, yeah, we come back, I think, several times over yeah. the course of, of the first season <laughs> and, we, and never see any repairs done, which makes me think that, you know, either Xavier just has to be coming out of his own pocket with this stuff. He has his own private construction crew. Or he, If it was Xavier, he would just fool the people into thinking that roof was fixed. <laughs> like, this room's yeah, always drafty, but you have to live here, you know? We're, we're going to talk about this, but man, and it doesn't come up a lot in the first four episodes, but man, Xavier is such a scumbag. He, it comes it's up so in episode bad. four quite a bit, actually, with yeah, all the yeah, stuff with yeah. Sabretooth, where he's just like literally like... <laughs> oh, I, God. The more you resist, the worse it will be. Let me fix you through forcible therapy. Um, I have he, so many screenshots from that. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. He's great. <clears throat> um, yeah. So, so bring us into the next scene. So Jubilee runs into the mall, and then um, she's we next year playing some video games and losing. And um, mm-hmm. there's a there's a great scene where she blows up the video games and. Uh, a guy comes over and is like, hey, man, do you know how much that cost? And Jubilee literally throws her glasses down, like a, yeah. a meme that won't come up for another 20 years, yeah. <laughs> and says, it costs 25 cents. Yep. Pretty pretty sweet. <laughs> and, appa- and apparently a sunglasses move like that immediately identifies her as a mutant. <laughs> like that, Not the powers, not the yeah. blowing up of the video game machine. <laughs> it, was, it was the sunglass what... move. Sunglasses move. I think in, in the cartoon, too, I don't. I think Jubilee can just kind of shoot, you know, uh, sparkles and stuff and hurt people in the comics. I don't think it specifically uh, short circuits machines. I think that might be a show invention. Can you verify that or, or deny that? Um, I don't remember. I mean, it's so weird now because she's like a vampire mom. <laughs> right <now>, so <laughs> yeah. the comics took I a weird turn. She got all the Dracula powers. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, she got some serious Dracula bummers. Yeah. <laughs> so who, who even knows? But. It, in in the show, it's very much like she can like kind of annoy people by hitting them with it, but uh, no more than actually like just hitting it hit with a sparkler. But she's really good at short circuiting machines. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Um, and then we see kind of the other X-Men walking around the mall doing X-Men mall stuff. Uh, like Rogue and Storm are just kind of shopping, like, you know, because this is 1992, or excuse me, 1993, and that's what women do, right, Gary? They just shop. Yeah, <laughs> they're they, not in the they, kitchen, they're shopping. <laughs> they love shopping. And and they're seeing, you know, it's it's there's a lot of weird, like, just stuff that calls out Rogue being, like, this is how she treats a man when she's fighting a robot, which, like, it's, it's a robot. We'll, we'll get to that. But, like, the, my favorite part of this is Gambit, uh, in some kind of store... Uh, by, buying, buying buying playing cards, buying playing cards. But he's not dressed in his civvies. Like, can you imagine talking to Gambit wearing like his one piece <laughs> bodysuit with the trench coat over it? And and it's remember it's purple and Doctor yeah. Who has not been modernized by Stephen Moffat yet. So like that's <laughs> like, not cool. <laughs> who the Gambit's costume in the nineties is amazing. And like thinking back when I was a kid and just being like, this is the suavest motherfucker I've ever seen in any media. <laughs> and like I'm gonna draw pictures of this guy and I'm gonna like pretend like this is my favorite character in the world. I was so into this idiot. Um, and then like, I like, just like so, so into him and thought he was so cool. But it's like one of the worst costumes that weird, like chest plate thing that oh he has God, on top of it. It so kind of hovers over his dick. Like the, the headpiece, the headpiece, like that it goes up and covers his forehead, but leaves his face exposed for no <laughs> and reason. And his hair. <laughs> and his hair. <laughs> it is such a bad design. Um, oh my God. And yeah. he, um, he does this thing and, and you have to remember I'm from South Louisiana, right? Well, I'm not from mm-hmm. South Louisiana, but I'm from Louisiana and I live in South Louisiana. <laughs> Be specific. Like, I, so. I know, I know people that literally in the middle of the conversation use words like share, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. oh, share or blah, blah. Or like they, they speak Cajun French. Like that's the thing that happens. Nowhere. Gambit is nowhere near that. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> But he uses it all the time. He calls this lady Cher like 27 times. It, they have to really make sure everyone's hitting all their vocal tics like a thousand <laughs> times so you can tell them apart. But like it's, you know, for every like thing I would say like kind of mean or make fun of this, like there's something good about it. Where like uh, this this show defined these characters like audio, audio voices, like not their voices, like their characterization, but the actual literal voices for me, like pretty much in perpetuity throughout the universe. Like this is how I imagine all of these characters talking. Uh, on the show, I think this guy. I think when we when we meet him, Wolverine is still my Wolverine. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, the Cyclops, even, Cyclops is great. Else now. Oh, Cyclops is really good. Cyclops he's, really he's good. the perfect Cyclops. And <clears throat> the only one that's bad is Storm, and it took me years to shake that off. Like I thought I didn't like Storm for so long because of how awful she's portrayed in the show. It's really bad. I mean, <laughs> she, she, it's a character assassination, the likes of which we've never seen. Like it is, it is pretty amazing. Um, so the Sentinels show up. And uh, and and fight the X Men off. Um, well, this is uh, this is still Sentinel Zero who has just oh, yeah. walked into the mall. <laughs> Can you imagine the, where he him walking there from Jubilee's house? <laughs> like just thumping the entire way over there, like nobody says a word. Stop, stopping to harass every dog that happened, so he can verify that it's not a mutant. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I love the scene where Jubilee is like going down the escalator, and she just sees him walking by, like thump, thump, oh, yeah. thump, oh shit, thump. <laughs> like oh, I thought I got away from that, but I didn't. Um, I think she even says like, "Oh, I hope that's just mall security." Like, do you? Because yeah. you just blew up a video game machine, Jubilee. That's yeah. not good. And is this the time for jokes? There's a giant killer robot coming after you. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so, so yeah, they, Sentinel shows up, and there's a fight, and like you know. The X Men do their thing that they always do. They start blowing shit up, basically. <clears throat> yeah, and 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 they uh, they're not doing great against it. But we were introduced to the X Men. We're introduced to the uh, Storm using like her lightning blasting her her outfit on. 
Um, which I don't know, why didn't they think she was fighting her civvies? I don't know. But her, her lightning blasting her outfit on and uh, introduced to her voice, which we referenced. But that is the way Storm speaks in this is a really exaggerated, like Elizabethan kind of, or something like that. Like, by the power of the element, like operatic. Like she only sings. Like to the point where, she never speaks. where Rogue actually says something. She's like, can you cut it down? <laughs> can you cut yeah. down the speeches? <laughs> yeah. Would you chill out for a second? How could anyone tolerate being around Storm in this show? Like, I have ever. no idea. Could you ever like hang out with Storm? Not in a million years. Um, <laughs> the uh, but but they're they're fighting and they can't handle it. And then there's a uh, one of my favorite quotes and something that me and my my buddy Derek, who I, I talk about a lot on Watch Out Fireballs, will still say to each other is when Cyclops shows up here and uh, the uh, the Sentinel <laughs> shoots him and he goes uh, like energy blast, huh? Here's one from a pro and then shoots him. <laughs> like like that's a thing. Like oh, just like oh, energy blast, huh? <laughs> what a stupid sentence oh it's so bad it's uh, so bad it's real good um but during that fight uh between this the energy blast exchange <laughs> which is the worst the craigslist section yeah. um <laughs> between the energy blast exchange jubilee gets gassed and knocked out and they they all bring her back to the mansion and that's where we get introduced to the rest of the team yes um so we 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 kind of fill everybody out. We have uh, I think the first person she runs into is Morph, and uh, Morph is an interesting character in the co- in the cartoon because he doesn't exist in the comic books. He well, so he's, if you're, he's, he's usually like so that's only captured like he's loosely based on Changeling, um, who who was take, took over for was a villain who took over for uh, Professor Xavier for a little while, and then he made his way into the comics and was like a really um, he's really huge in Age of Apocalypse and in uh, the Exiles. Um, for a yeah. while, so he was a weird crossover hit, but like he's there's no direct analog. Like Changeling did not really act like this in the, uh, the comics. <laughs> act like he acts like a Dark Souls NPC. Gary, every time he says something, he cackles. <laughs> he's like he's like the like, mask. Oh, going to the bathroom. <laughs> 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 well, you see, in their culture, that's how they signify a certain amount of trustworthiness. Um, <laughs> the, um, He's like he's like that mixed with the mask. Like he so he's a, a shape changer, um, which is like why are you like you shouldn't be going on field missions, morph. Um, no, you know, not and, at all. and that's that's not going to end well for you. Uh, literally not going to end well for you. Um, but he's watching TV, just kind of uh, making fun of stuff. Is this where they first show the TV that has the cameos on it, or was that earlier? I think so. I think so. Yeah. Well, at the when we're back at Jubilee's house, they show like Sabretooth tearing some shit up, and that's how they get into the mutant registration. Yeah, this is the first time we see like. Other mutants, like I think it was a uh, like a very, very <laughs> rudimentary Domino sketch, and I'm, I know it yeah. was Cannonball in the second screen, but I want to say the first one was uh, yeah, it's Domino. It's Domino, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, who will actually show up, which is really cool because she's an obscure character oh, yeah. that no one has. Yeah. She has cool powers, and no one has done anything cool with her um, in a long time. Hey, Gary, hey, Gary. Longshot shows up. Yeah, Longshot is great, and he actually has I his own know. episode, which I'm really excited about. I know. Um, that's I mean, <clears> we can camp out on that one for a little bit. Um, we're just a beast <laughs> again. Beast is beast voice is perfect. Um, like He's his great. character, his characterization is just him making like a lot of literary allusions that are kind of strained, but, um, he works out real well in this show. And then, uh, Xavier, um, who you know, was hanging out in uh, Cerebro and, uh, do we, uh, we run into Jean Grey here as well. Does she get an intro scene or she's like hanging out with Xavier? I think. Yeah, she she walks in with um uh, with Xavier and is like and Jubilee has already blown up some machines because that's what she does to all escape. The time. It's like, yeah. hey, hey, th- this used to be turned on, Professor. I love that. <laughs> like, as like, <laughs> that's how they know she's gone because a TV a monitor that used to be on, and that's that's the yeah. line. Like she's like, Professor, this used to be on. 
<laughs> and that is what causes the world's greatest telepath to scan to see if this person's still around. <clears throat> Um, and so, uh, meanwhile, Jubilee is free in the X-Mansion um, yes. and wanders, of course, into our favorite room in the X-Mansion, the Danger Room. And yeah. um, somehow, through her powers of sunlight concussion blast, starts a uh, a program that's supposed to be training Gambit and Wolverine, which is our first introduction to Wolverine, which I'm ch- is kind of a rare character nobody might know about. We can spend some time on him if you need to. Yeah, we should probably get into his backstory. <laughs> it's less cool than you think. Uh, it starts in Australia. <laughs> it starts with him being a, a sickly young boy for six issues, one of the worst comics I've read. Um <clears throat> The, I have no idea what, you know, how her little short circuit power happens. And it's like, she starts the training program, but they're already in there. So exactly. I, don't, I don't really understand what's happening there. <clears throat> um, yeah, this was, this, this whole plot falls apart on any kind of inspection. We're, we're, we're going to get to the, the things that Cerebro can do. Um, but she thinks Wolverine's about to kill Gambit, uh, but then, you know, doesn't realize that they're just training. And she zaps Wolverine to get Wolverine off her. And this whole sequence of her running into the mansion and stuff is a uh, reference to Kitty Pride. Uh, the first appearance of Kitty, mm-hmm. Kitty Pride, like mm-hmm. being in, in the mansion did the same thing. You can see that in animated form. If the show goes on long enough, I'm sure we'll cover it. Uh, Pride of the X-Men. You've seen that, right, Jeremy? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so that, that, that's, uh, there's a different version of the sequence that happens there. Um, but eventually they kind of explain like, Hey, no, we're the X-Men. Uh, but she runs off. She's not. Of course she it. does. <clears throat> And if you were a um, vaguely Chinese-American girl with X-Men powers, what happens to you the first time you leave the X-Mansion? Uh, you get captured by Sentinels. You get captured by Sentinels, of course. <laughs> so, And we boy, we never know like why the Sentinels are after her specifically or why they're devoting this much power to her or th- this many Sentinels. Again, just the property damage alone. Like, it's, just the amount of... Inter- like, th- I mean... It's 1992. Like, they're probably not run on, like, nuclear power, right? Like, yeah. they've got to be, like, gassing up back at the Trask in- industry. Yeah. <laughs> At Trasco, just, like, loading up on diesel. That's why they yeah, blow up. Be... So easy. Uh, yeah, it just, just makes no sense whatsoever. Mm. Um, but, yeah, yeah, so I guess at some point um, at the mall, when <clears throat> Cyclops exchanged the energy, energy blast, he cut off the Sentinel's head, which Xavier then takes and then telepathically reads it. I, I couldn't, I don't know if I just faded out of this part because anytime Xavier's on the screen, it's kind of boring, but like, I had no idea how he got like the visual memory. I think is something that he used. There, there's literally a what, part what in the do? fourth episode or third episode where he's like, tap into Cerebro's knowledge of the missiles guidance systems. Like the thing that Cerebro <laughs> yes. can do in this, in this cartoon <laughs> is just anything. Um, it is so Saturday morning cartoon. I love it. And I yeah, hate it at the same time. <laughs> it, it's just magic. So, so they find out the place where they've been, you know, and you get the idea that this program, this problem has been going on for a while. Um, Xavier splits the team and sends kind of an infiltration group um, there, which is uh, Beast, Wolverine, Morph, um, Storm goes as well, I think. And then uh, yep. does, does, does Gambit and Cyclops, right? It's like almost everybody. And Gambit and Cyclops. Well, no, uh, just Gambit. Cyclops is with the other crew. He's with Rogue. And oh, you're right. I, think that, I guess that's it. Yeah. 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 So he's, he splits up the team to go do different things. Um, even though, like, it's weird, though, because it's like one's a backup team. Like, he splits them up, but then they end up there all together because Cyclops ends up there to order them to abandon Morph later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This 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 whole thing is kind of messy, but I guess they – I like the idea of splitting the X-Men into teams because that's something that happens in the comic books a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um one team will go on to like you know tackle Magneta. The other one will make Dark Souls two and <laughs> get reviewed. Yeah, it's a shame that Dark Souls two didn't have the the Cyclops touch. 
Um, yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, they, they do end up at the same spot. There's a great line and when the infiltration team is, you know, infiltrating. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they, they're walking into the building and Wolverine stops them and says, hold up. There's, there's, I can't remember what he says, but Beast asks him, "Wait, you can, you can detect infrared?" And Wolverine looks at him and, like all seriousness, I can smell him. And, like, Wolverine, you can smell what? Wolverine's nose <laughs> it's is the, light, dog. Is, <laughs> Wolverine's nose is the is the the cerebro of of face parts. <laughs> like he can he can smell anything. There's a part in the comics too, at one point, where he smells the absence of someone. Like he's Excellent. like he smells yes. the hole yeah. where they would be. Yeah, that's um, that's how smells work. It's pretty great. Um, and then and then Beast does a lot of like his his Beast thing, his Kelsey Grammer routine. Oh God, dude, this is, <laughs> I, I have it in the show notes several times. He's so fucking insufferable <laughs> during this part. Like it's just the worst. Like at one point he's like a minor poem for a minor task or a minor poet for a minor task, and I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Before he, he says that, he doesn't say a poem, which is what you would think. He says a little rhyming thing about climbing the monkey bars to get over these beams, <laughs> and then and then that's the minor poet. He's calling himself a minor poet, I think, because because it's not like you know, cool Coleridge like wrote a bunch of poems about beams, you know, like, it wasn't like Xanadu and, and beams. I, um, um, with, with the recent conversation that we've had in the Doug feed slack, I kept uh, every single time he had a book in his hand, which is pretty much constantly, like even when he's on like secret missions, he has a book in his hand. I kept expecting to see that it was gravity's rainbow. Yeah. I just, I just, I was just waiting for it to happen. Yeah. <laughs> He, he is he is the Jonathan Blow of, uh, of the X-Men. Um, it, we, we end here, like, just partway through. It's not even really a cliffhanger. It's just kind of, like, continued in part two. It just kind of has to stop at some point, which is weird because of how much in the second episode flashes back to the first episode. And which is also weird because it's on a totally different VHS tape. Like, you yeah. have to go back to Pizza Hut at this point. You get no closure whatsoever. <laughs> like, yeah, you don't want any more pizza, but you have to do it. Um, so, so this one... Uh, X-Men Night of the Sentinels Part 2, original air date, November 7th, 1992. Uh, when, Professor, when Professor X sends a mission to destroy the mutant registration files, things go terribly wrong, and the X-Men must cope with the heavy price of fighting for mutant equality. So, And this picks up right... like We get a brief you know, previously on, which is always very hilarious just to see all this stuff kind of compacted into a minute, but then it goes right back into... I think even it... It does that thing where it overlaps the previous episode. So I think we start with Psych and uh, Cyclops and Rogue talking, and it's like literally what they said at the end of the last episode. Which, which we didn't bring it up, but this is one of the the sloppier moments of characterization, where like, uh, where, like uh, someone's like, "I'll follow close behind you, Rogue," and she goes, "Not too close." This is how my powers work, um, <laughs> and, and just explains uh, that uh, if you get too close, she can suck out your powers. Because Rogue does have a isn't, complicated power set for a kid to understand, to be honest. Isn't this the point, too, where she's where she's like comparing herself to Jubilee? Or is it on the way to the thing where she's like, I remember I used to like a boy. Yeah, <laughs> And then yeah. I killed him. Yeah. That, that's <laughs> like, a, it's, so, like, it's so weird. <laughs> um, we're going to get a whole a whole lot of that. And they, they do like less clumsy uh, kind of characterization with her later, like during the, um, the episode with The Cure, um, which I think mm-hmm. we're getting into next episode. Um, that one, that's significantly less clunky characterization, but, uh, but here it is still just very much everyone just kind of stating things. Um, the, uh, so, so they're doing, doing their break in and, and you're right. I didn't really notice when I was watching it, but beast is the worst. 
here. He's just the worst. I mean, it, everything that he says, like at one point, um, <laughs> like he's breaking into something as like, well, as the classical physicist da, 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 used to say, Eureka. And yeah. I'm like, really? You can just say yeah, Eureka. He just said it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like he didn't, he didn't have to do anything. He just, he didn't, he didn't give you the premise of this. He just said the word out loud. If you had just said Eureka, we all know what you mean, dude. Um, I can just picture Beast at the whiteboard, like Michael Scott in the office, with like Eureka, <laughs> yeah, no, attributed to Wayne Gretzky, attributed to Michael Scott, <laughs> yep, attributed, <laughs> attributed to, to Beast, to Hank McCoy. The um, <laughs> yeah, Whew. yeah, it's so bad, it's so bad. So, so our our team comes in, they sneak in, and they're um, there's there's two tasks at hand, right? So they're trying to find Jubilee, and then they want to destroy these records that the Mutant Registration Act center i guess i don't yeah. know what, what building they're in like if you think about this gary this is a terrorist act they are breaking into a government building and destroying shit like well, this, is what a, this is what terrorists do Every, um, everyone who we've seen so far should be in jail absolutely like there's, there's no absolutely. way they shouldn't just round up the lot of them <laughs> like <laughs> n- nobody nobody is being morally or legally in the clear um, the, uh, and we're interested in the villains here too, which is only kind of makes sense. Like, and it's kind of, I I'm into the idea. So like they talking some sugar about this it is, so they could have very easily opened up the X-Men cartoon the way that the comic opened up with like an arch enemy with Magneto by yep. adding, doing it as the government, like that plays so much better into the X-Men theming, you know, of like, it's just actually like an ambient threat around them. Like the, the X-Men's villain is not Magneto. It is misunderstanding and prejudice. Right. Um, and they, they really bring this out in the next two episodes. And I, that's some of my, like, I actually genuinely like some of the conversation that we're going to get in episode three between Beast and Magneto when the stuff happens. Me too. That's but great. I, that's a super I cool really like I really like the idea that, hey, like the government is the enemy and also like our enemy is also an enemy to the government. Like, so we're like, I love that dynamic at play. They, they do it. I mean, it's been done to death in the comics. They did it in the very well reviewed X-Men three, the last stand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the greatest of all X-Men films. Um, well, and even the X, the, the government is even in their enemy too. Cause like part, elements of the government are like, no, this let's hear these guys out. You know, it, it's so mm-hmm. it's, it's morally more morally gray than you would expect from yeah. uh, from something of this this kind of vintage but the, we find out like what the so Gyrick and, and Trask are the two people and uh, they uh, are interrogating Jubilee and they're like tell us about the X-Men and they're saying it like we're to believe that this was their plan all along like they, they meant to scare her out of her bed so she'd go to the mall the X-Men <laughs> happened to be at and then like find them but I don't buy it I, I don't think that's what's happened I think that it's just kind of like of course they'd be interested in the X-Men but they I don't think that was their plan. I don't know what their plan was, but I don't think it was that. See, I, 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 t- I totally read it as this was like a, a happy coincidence for Trask or for yeah. um, Gyrick. Uh, like, because he had he has the recording that he's playing Jubilee back, and it's like who were, like when somebody says we're the X Men, he's like who were these X Men? Like they have, he had never heard of them before. So I just kind of figured that he happened to get these dudes on recording saying the X Men, and now he's like, I gotta have the X Men. I gotta put them in some weird pods and interrogate yeah. them. Yeah, I want take that. Their mutant powers. Yeah, is uh, I, help me out. Is is Guy Rick a dude in the comics? Because I don't recognize that guy, that name at all. Yeah, yeah, he he is not. So Trask in the comics is the yeah, Trask. Um, I got yeah. Trask is the Sentinel guy. Guy Rick is the senator. He's always been the senator that gets assassinated to create uh, Days of the Future Past. Um, has always uh, been Guy Rick. So he's played okay, as by okay. Peter Peter Dinklage Dinklage in uh, uh, yeah. Days of the Future mm-hmm. Past and like, um, but he's he's much more in the comics. I feel like he's a little bit more gray. Like he's much more mustache twirly and awful. In the uh, the cartoon, 
Um, so, so they make it. They, they, they get the mission accomplished. They destroy the files and stuff, and they're on their way out. And then a bunch of Sentinels show up, which at this point, like, I don't think they've done a good job of showing the Sentinels of, as actually being too much of a threat. Like, Scott can just shoot them, and they just die in one hit for the most part. Yeah, Scott, Cyclops is literally, like, chopping off legs and arms at this point with no help from the other team. <laughs> yeah, he is, he, is the, he is the only person who is effective against Sentinels for some reason. And they're not like masterminds, like they're or like master molds, like they're or, uh, uh, not master mold, Nimrods. Like they're not supposed to be adapting to, you know, the 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 powers that they're being hit with. Um, but it, it's still like you know they 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 still wipe the floor with the X Men. So, oh, and this is a yeah. this is a running theme, and this is something I like about this cartoon is that you barely ever in the first season you do sometimes, but the first half of the first season you barely ever see the X Men win. Like they. They scrape by, but they never actually like come out on top. Like Magneto never gets arrested. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they, they've never stopped the threat. They just like survive and stop the immediate danger. Like they sometimes they rescue the person, and as we're about to see right here, like they're escaping from this, and they let one of their own die. Like Morph gets shot by, I guess another blast. I don't. It's kind of unclear how Morph died. Like if they have a death ray, why aren't they using the death rays at all times? Why even fuck around with this gas? It's, it's, it's definitely a blast. <laughs> There, this is, if you like blasts, you will like this show. <laughs> if you um, like blasts and, and singing in the rain, are you going? Is that where you're going? Yeah. With that? If you like if you like uh, getting caught in the rain and optic blast from a pro, um, you will like this X Men show. Um, like Morph should never have been there. Like no, not what, at all. What he, his power set is not like they didn't sneak in. Like he would be great at like hi, I'm a guard, and I think they do that real briefly. But like Morph is so ineffectual here. Um. So they, you know, they go back, he dies. Uh, there's a scene where like professor Xavier, like they're like, I'm detecting Morph and I detect nothing, you know, and he's, he's super, <laughs> super sad and, and Morph is dead. Uh, and Wolverine ends up getting off the, uh, the thing. He's like, where's Morph? Or like, we can, we can go back for beast and Morph. And like, somebody's like, well, we can go back for Beast. Which, which yeah, is Jean, like, Jean Grey is like, Beast is fine. And, it's like, and Wolverine's like, what about Morph? And she just starts openly weeping. Yeah. Like, yo, yo, Dark Phoenix isn't for a few episodes. You gotta dial it down with the weeping. <laughs> yeah. You just gotta be normal for an episode. Yeah. Where's Morph? Um, one of my, uh, we, we skipped over, but one of my favorite points of this is they, they do this weird flashback structure mm-hmm. which has no point whatsoever like they skip ahead so we don't actually see morph die we just see wolverine and cyclops getting out of the plane wolverine comes over and punches cyclops in the stomach which is like a great wolverine <laughs> move <laughs> yeah. complains about morph or leaving morph behind and then leaves and then like has a memory of everything that like they could have just shown yeah, us yeah. happening five minutes ago <laughs> yeah it's, 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 it's handled so poorly it's really bizarre and also when he leaves he cuts the top off of uh, Cyclops' car yeah. as if it's like one piece and it's only as wide as his claws. Like you can, he's like, I made him a convertible. Like, All right, buddy. Um, yeah. So, so Morph died. Uh, so Beast bad. got shocked by an electric fence, but he, he's alive. Yeah. So, and he does, bad. he gets picked up by the, the cops that are the guards to this military or government I don't understand where they where this place is at all. Yeah, it's like a data center, but it has guards. I've never I have, anyway. I have no idea. Wolverine's yeah. not taking it well, and he's going to go get drunk. Um, he's not, you know, uh, he hasn't gone back there on his own, which is what I originally expected him to do. Um, and Cyclops shows up, and there's this, this great scene. One of the people who is giving Wolverine a hard time here has the same voice as, as my uh, bad teenager bags impersonation of Christian Slater. 
Like he's like, hey, freak, stop hustling us at pool, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, um, who was the Johnny Storm? Uh, not Johnny Storm, but um, the guy in the Venture Brothers. I can't remember the dude's name. It's Johnny something that, that lives under the sea. That's J- all Johnny Quest. Johnny Quest. Yeah. Thank you. I was thinking Johnny Storm. That's where my that's where my head went to. He sounds like a, like a cracked out Johnny Quest. Yeah, right? yeah, for sure. And Johnny Quest is already pretty cracked out. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's and, not. And, he's not. He's not a good way. And Cyclops, Cyclops like this. This show does a lot to, to making Cyclops seem cool. Like he has a reputation for being boring, but like he's pretty cool, like pretty badass in this show. Um, and he has his, his like they're like they're gonna beat him up as well. Um, your Wolverine pops his claws, and they're like you mutant freak. And then uh, Cyclops shows up. <laughs> he's like you know he just has a one liner planned. Like he's not gonna deescalate the situation. Um, he's just like uh, you know you wouldn't hit a guy with with glasses, would you? And they're like we'll take him off and and take the the pool cue and start lifting him up. And Cyclops is just like yep. I'm yeah, this yep, is fine. I'm gonna let this happen. Yeah, yep. this is totally okay. <laughs> Until eventually and just blast everything. Uh it's, it's Cyclops being this weird guy that needs like these um like this aggression release every once in a while that he can really only achieve with Wolverine. It makes this whole love triangle that they're gonna develop really weird. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love <laughs> like, it. It's like, gonna it, be really bizarre. It, it's super super weird. And I, I love this uh, I love this scene though where he's like you know, Wolverine's like, come here to apologize. And he's like, I don't, I don't apologize for things I did in the field, but how do you, how much do you want revenge? You know, it's like, it's yeah, a pretty that's, that's actually moment. a solid move, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a solid move. Like that's a solid, like leader move. Like I'm not going to apologize for shit. I did my thing and now we're done. Let's go fix it. Yeah. <laughs> like, that, that, that's great. I like it. <clears throat> um, yeah. So, so they're heading off and this is when the president eventually says like, Hey, those mutants, they cared enough to die about this. Shut it down. Like we need to do more research. Also, every single house on this block has been destroyed. Like, we're getting complaints. All of my constituent are are sick of having giant robots destroy their yard and kill their dogs. This program has to end. Uh, I like how um, in this in this world that they've they, these writers have created, we're persecuting mutants, but like a woman president in '92, totally fine. We're yeah, totally good on that. She's <laughs> a really so believable woman president too. Like she's kind of like leathery <laughs> and like like angry looking and conservative. Mm-hmm. Like it was like, oh, this is like this. You know, seems like a like a lady president from the '90s to me. Um, <laughs> yeah. Jubilee goes back to her parents at this point. This is where we see that the house has not been or has been repaired. Well, no, Jubilee doesn't go. Cyclops and Wolverine go. Oh, there you're right. Reason. Yeah, because they're they're yeah, calling Jubilee. Her in. Jubilee's still trapped in the data center. You're like, right. They didn't get her. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, that was a they, they didn't get her out of the data. They didn't download Jubilee from the files. Like I said, X Men are only good, only like half good at this whole X Men thing. Yeah, <laughs> like that's all they're. They're still learning, even though it will come out in the show that they've been doing this for years. So it's like they shouldn't be quite this amateur, but <laughs> the, um, the, the, they still are at this point. I, I forgot about that because the, the Jubilee's dad calls the, the, the information center, um, <laughs> calls the files place about them because he was told, you know, by Trask that uh, if this ever happens, if they ever see one of the X-Men to call him in. Um, but eventually they convince him that he's, you know, that they have Jubilee's best uh, interest in heart. And then he says like, you guys got to get out of here. And they get out just in time to run into a Sentinel. And this is a great, and this is another one liner that Cyclops is just, I mean, he's got so many pouches. He might as well keep them filled with one liners. here. <laughs> this, this is somehow not his most strong. This is somehow like he'd already used the, you wouldn't hit a guy with glasses, which you could use that against a robot, you know, but you only get to use it once per episode. Yeah, so yeah. he has to go to his, his fallback. <laughs> yeah, the, the the this giant robot runs up and says, "Surrender, mutant!" And Cyclops responds. <laughs> he does the Borat. He goes like, "Of course not." Um, which like, 
Oh, boy. Which I was trying to think, like, this, this is when people were saying that, right? Because this is right around Wayne's World. I was about to say, this has got to be when Wayne's World was coming out. So, like, I don't, I don't know exactly when Wayne's World came out. It had, I know it was early, it's 90, early yeah. 90s, but... So this wasn't this wasn't quite as bad as it as it's aged. Oh, this is ninety two. Yeah. So this the yeah. Wayne's World was in ninety two. So we're we're in the same same yeah. era. <clears throat> yeah, and it, it had been on Saturday Night Live before then too, and was a mm-hmm. cultural institution enough to get a, a movie. So people were saying things and then invalidating that thing by saying not. It was the style <laughs> of the time. <laughs> Gary, I did that a lot as a kid. I did too. <laughs> like, Boy, that was can the you, best. How come any of us survived to be this old and we just didn't have adults choking us for doing that? Like it was, yeah, I, I should have been. My, my mom should have put a cigarette out on my forehead when I did that. Like that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's a terrible origin story. That's a bad origin story. <laughs> that's how I became triclops. Um, <laughs> nobody should have let me get away with that. Yeah, I'm sitting here at 35 in my living room complaining about like the beast being insufferable for citing a poem. Meanwhile, like 13 year old Jeremy was right on going not like a fucking yeah. jackass. <laughs> What is wrong with this uh, world? Yeah. It's amazing that we lived. Um, so I, this is pretty much it. Like they, at this point they go to the thing. Oh, there is one bit that is actually kind of funny here. Um, the X-Men set up this plan to, uh, track the Sentinel to go back to the Sentinel home base. Mm-hmm. So Cyclops like shoots its arm off. They go back and then there's a scene where the Sentinel, and I, I have to imagine this is your, your character from earlier. This is Sentinel Zero. Sentinel Zero, my buddy. Whose, whose arm has been blown off falls through the the skylight, falls through the wood, falls through the glass mm-hmm. in the ceiling, lands on the pod that they're keeping Jubilee on, which frees the mutant, which frees Jubilee. <laughs> if, they'd, if he had just fallen a little bit to his left, she would have been crushed and been into like a bloody paste. Yeah, it, it would have been a much sadder show. It would have been yeah. it would have been Steven Universe. People would have been crying. <laughs> <laughs> She's been crushed, no bigger than a chili fry. Oh God, the, uh, that line. Uh, um, and this is the first time that we see uh, the X Men come in and start kicking serious ass. Yeah, they, they, they show up and they they just wipe the floor with everybody. The, somebody, somebody told them like, "Oh yeah, they're just robots. We can kill robots. We have powers." So then they decide yeah. to use them and and uh, destroy them. And they they play the music here, which is really rad because like the music to the X Men uh, anime series is great. And if it wasn't being used for the Rachel and Miles podcasts, we'd probably use some iteration of it here because it's super good. Yeah, I'm mad at those dudes for stealing that. Yeah, I mean they're they're, they're great, but also that the song is so good. Um, God, it's so good. Yeah. And uh, they they end up joining. She ends up joining up. There's this little like downtime. One of the things this show does really well is, and it happens in the comics too, are these like little, you know, every once in a while in the comics there'll be an episode where it's just like people hanging out and talking about their feelings. The swimsuit issue. Yeah, I do totally. And the uh, <laughs> the the uh, the show makes space for that, which I really like. So like mm-hmm. they uh you know they're they're kind of talking like Jubilee's going to join them. They show a little montage Beast is still in jail. Cyclops is wondering if he made the right move. And that leaves us with our status quo with like the heroes were successful but just barely and they're not sure if they, you know, they weren't it's not a power fantasy, you know. And it was yeah. it functioned as such for me, but they're not as strong as maybe they could be. The interesting thing here is that I think that that's why X-Men appeals to kids. It might appeal to me as a kid because I was terribly insecure at 12 and 13. Like, I didn't think that I fit in anywhere. And, like, mm. having the X-Men, and this was big in the comics, it's big in this cartoon, but having it never quite resolve where everything is happy, like, that was kind of what I was going through in my life. Like, I look back and, like, my life wasn't, like, I, like I wasn't growing up in a hellhole. Like, I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I wasn't, like, I wasn't that bad. But, like, at the time, it was the worst thing imaginable, right? So, like, having this not all just be puppies and sunshine made it a lot more, 
I hesitate to say realistic when we're talking about this, but like it made it much more identifiable for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I agreed. And I think that's, that's part of the appeal. And it's also part of that. That's the Marvel house style, right? Is the, Absolutely. the idea, you know, that it's not a power fantasy. This is about real people that have real problems. Um, which is super cool. I, I wanted to bring up real quick because we forgot to mention at the end of the episode, the awesome ending credits, um, computer yes. graphics sequence oh, with the, uh, absolutely <laughs> super stiff action figure <laughs> versions of the X-Men rotating on their, on their, their and I, and uh, I, Y axis or Z axis. I noticed, uh, for the first time today that there's a, there's a mouse cursor in the top, right? And it's going <laughs> through and it's clicking the file. And every time it clicks the file, like you see the spinny 3d doll effect. And then like a little summary of the powers of that X-Men. Very, very cool stuff in the 90s, right? Like, this is like, somebody saw Lawnmower Man and was like, man, can we, can we get some of that? <laughs> it, is, it is super, super Lawnmower Man-y. Let's, uh, let's talk about uh, Jubilee real quick. You a, you a Jubilee fan? What do, you, what do you think about Jubilee? Uh, I'm not. It's not. She's not my favorite X Men. Um, she falls into that like young girl that Wolverine protects archetype. Um, yeah. That it keeps happening over and over again. Um, I picked up well, one of the new runs of X Men. I, I picked it up and like I, I mentioned earlier, like it starts out. It was the first all female X Men team. Mm-hmm. You remember that from like a year or two ago. Um, she was on it. I think Psylocke, Storm, and some other characters. And uh, I was very surprised again that she had like baby apocalypse that she was taking care of, and she was also a vampire. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know what's I don't know what's happened to her over the last few years. But like I'm not I've not kept up with her. I'm not I'm not that huge of a character, and I don't know. Like I just I'm not excuse me. I'm not huge as huge of a fan of her character. Uh, what about you? Are you are, were you like collecting her trading cards? And- <laughs> I, I, on, on, in your sketchbook, I, I, did, I did have her trading cards because I had all of them. Um, well, yeah, but the uh, it, it's so it's man, it's so fun to like take a break from comics for a long time and then go back, and and then just be like, oh, so this person's a vampire now. Oh, there's a baby apocalypse. <laughs> oh, there's Mrs. Sinister. Like, and you just like that's great. Um, I, I'm not a super huge fan either. I I was a really big fan of the uh, comic Generation X. Um, that was the first mm-hmm. uh, X Men comic I got in on the ground floor and read, you know, read consistently. I didn't read all of them, but I've read most of that series. And she's a major character in that sh- in that comic, um, so I had some affection for her there. Um, they did some really good characterization work, but when in the X Men, it always felt to me like she was just kind of like a less cool Kitty Pride. Like she is very much slotted into that Wolverine protection role, and like I love Kitty Pride, so it was really hard for me to be as into Jubilee. Um, she's also like her whole joke or her whole kind of character thing is she's like a Valley Girl archetype and i find that like with with all awareness of trying not to be sexist like i find that archetype really annoying um mm-hmm. so like she never really did it for me uh, i find most of the most of the even when it comes to parody like i find most of the parodies of the valley girl stereotype very annoying like not yeah. even just people being a valley girl like anytime they do it in a movie and it's like a, oh look how funny this like we're making fun like i'm like that's still not funny like it's not I don't like any about them, and I never even put that together. That she's a very, very good, like has that Valley Girl rollerblades thing happen that I've never really been into. Like she's very, she's very like California in the early '90s, but they're supposed to be in New York, yeah. and it's just I don't. She doesn't read as like a New York teen to me. Um, how many how many malls were there in New York in the early '90s? <laughs> like that's, that's that definitely has to be like a like a California. I don't know. Anyway, it's like suburban malls, suburban New York, or something like that. Um, Duck Feet presents Malls Across America. 
Um, let's let's get into uh, episode three. So we have Intermagneto uh, here. With original air date November twenty seventh, nineteen ninety two, Magneto, Professor X's old enemy and old friend and new enemy, has returned and is preparing to launch nuclear missiles in order to ensure a war between mutants and humans. Um, and this is notably like more or less the story of X Men number one. Um, so them putting that in the third episode is really kind of brave and cool. I think I really I really like this, and uh, I mentioned earlier this is the part where. Um Magneto comes in and breaks, excuse me, attempts to break Beast out of prison. And, um, which, like, is, is Magneto just getting, like, a newspaper? Does he have, like, a Google alert set up? Like, mutant <laughs> in prison? Like, how does he, how is he even aware that this is going on? Like, I, I know he probably has a supervillain computer in his asteroid or whatever, but still, like, this seems like, he, like is it, is his mom sending him clippings? What's happening here? He, he, um, I mean, he does have that computer, but then also, um, I imagine it has become news at some point because Beast does have a court date coming up and there's reporters and stuff there. That, that is so, true. So yeah. yeah so I can, I can imagine it being, but I love this, I, you know, the, the sequence of him, you know, taking over the base and it's really, uh, noteworthy and important that like he, uh, you know, the X-Men had such a hard time with this and it was this hard infiltration and Magneto has no problem getting in. Like as one person, he oh. just, decimates this thing you know and the first thing he does is he breaks down the wall and you know a guard runs up and is going to shoot something at him and magneto instantly just drops the dude's trousers like pants the guy yeah, right so good. <laughs> um like i mean Mag- like we can camp out for just a second like how cool is magneto like, oh yeah magneto's the best Magneto is easily the best thing to come out of the X-Men. Like, I mean, he's so awesome. Like, just his power set is cool. He's got a really, really cool history. He's got that nebulous good guy, bad guy thing happening that can go to either way, depending on which way the wind blows. I love it. I love the character so much. It's so cool. He's, um, he's, he's probably my favorite supervillain, um, I think. And it's, it's partly because he's, you know, he's not always a supervillain. Um, but also just like his power set's really creative and it's really intimidating and cool. Like, every time they come up with a new usage for it, I'm like, impressed and it and you know and more like scared i'm not actually scared but i would you know if i'm if it's an rp server and i'm imagining you know having to face him down it's like oh shit you know there there's a lot of metal and stuff was it x-men one or two it had to be x-men two, two. when they broke him out of prison that that cool scene where the, she's just been pumping that dude full of iron for weeks like yeah, that's amazing that, that is that, that was is, so weird and cool that's one of the best like scenes in like i love x-men too like that that's such a good movie and like that's one of the best scenes because the and, and ian mckellen kills it because he's just got that like he kind of smirks he's like hmm, too much iron in your blood like i love that <laughs> like uh it's so it's good, so good. Look, Let's not watch these two two episodes. Let's just talk about that movie for two yeah. hours. <laughs> Let's just continue. Let's just make a riff tracks. Yeah, just move on to that because that, that's really really good. And you know, I don't actually even hate X Men Three that much. I like. I I don't think it's the worst movie in the world. I don't think it's like good, but I don't hate it. There are things I like um, about it. The worst crime it commits is that they pile so many X Men in there, it just gets boring. It's yeah. the same thing that happens with the, with the comics a lot of times. Like, yeah. oh, there's 27 superheroes on the page. Like, this is just it has to be boring by default because there's no room for anybody to do anything. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's 100 percent true. It's not a good movie. I just don't think it's no, a war no. crime. You know. Um, so he he attempts to, and Beast is saying, "No, I'm going to take the ideological heart, uh, high road." And this is also like a real microcosm of the Professor X. Magneto thing in general, right? Like, I'm not going to do this by force. I'm going to take the high road and, and win hearts and minds rather than than just break legs and and smash butts. You know, 
you can see how they were, um, and we see some history about this in a minute, but like you can see how him and Xavier started off at the same point, and like they just happen to have different paths to get to where they are now. Yeah. Like he, the fact that he allows Beast to sit back down, and there's even a line like I think Magneto says, "What are you waiting for?" And, and Beast says, "My day in court." And at that point, like Magneto just is just like, "Okay, cool. Well, I'm just gonna go blow up these tanks." Like, you yeah. made your decision. You can, I can be on my <laughs> on my team. See you later. <laughs> I like I like blowing up tanks. Makes me feel good. Um, the, uh, yeah, I mean, he does, he like does kind of question him, but he's not going to force him to do it because Magneto is pro mutant more than he's anti-human, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so we get that little bit of background, uh, you know, Xavier just straight up, you know, kind of tells his background in Jubilee. There were once buddies, uh, in the cartoon version, Magneto is, was an assistant to Xavier when he was set up, um, like a doctor's, you know, without borders kind of thing, um, in a psychiatric hospital. Uh, however, Magneto could not handle like because uh, the, the the people who had destroyed his small country, which like Magneto is a World War Two, you know, casualty. Like that's Magneto's story yeah, is, is is Nazi Germany. They are so they are so very so very carefully tapping around and saying the words World War Two. Like Xavier even says at one point that something happened in a war. Like yeah. he's not even specifying the war, like the unnamed war. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's so. But I mean, you know, this is a cartoon that they didn't allow. Like the censors didn't allow the um, the human enemies to shoot bullets. Like that's why everybody shoots lasers in this. Yep. Like it's so very carefully edited. Yeah, which is good because that's a real conflict where a bunch of people died, and we don't really need this cartoon. <laughs> Making light of it in any way, you know. <laughs> That's very true. Very true. Um, the uh, so, so eventually, uh, Cyclops and Wolverine go to Beast's trial at this point. You know, so we have this set up as Magneto as this threat, and I kept thinking Magneto was going to crash the thing. Um, and he doesn't. I, I really thought there's a scene where um, there's a, a guy like protesting, where he's like, "My buddies were died in that invasion or whatever." Like, mm-hmm. and, like uh, number one, when did anybody die? Yeah, <laughs> like we never ne- that never happened. And I, but I really thought that was going to be Mystique. Like, Me too. Magneto had sent Mystique in there to like drum up the to, to, to rabble rouse, basically. Yeah, for sure. Some, some crazy shit. <clears throat> yeah. Well, there but is no, some, like in these just... first four episodes. I feel like there is some revisionist history that goes on. I know with the first two, we find out that there's more to what happened um, there. So maybe there actually is something that goes back to this. Um, I don't know if we actually revisit this scene specifically, but I know we revisit a court scene when we start getting into Days of the Future Past stuff. Uh, interesting. In the um, so the, the court thing is kind of interesting here. Um, you know, Beast makes it, his plea. Um, you know, the, the, the judge is upset and everything. But one of the cool things is that uh, Beast's lawyer is Cameron Hodge, um, which is a weird little nod. Um, if it's, I mean, or it's just a name, but it, like, that would be a weird thing. Like Cameron Hodge being the guy who uh, like fucked over X-Factor when X-Factor was just the original guys and then eventually uh, formed Genosha and was the bad guy in the, uh, the comic uh, Extinction Agenda. Um, do you think that at this point the writers are just literally like pulling stuff out of like the book, the, the X-Men Bible and like, well, we need a lawyer. Like, yeah, is there a lawyer in there? He, he was never a lawyer though, which is the weird thing. <clears throat> like he's never he supposed was to be, he, he was like a businessman, I think. Like he, oh, okay. he did something like he like, maybe he was, but I, th- I thought he just kind of bankrolled them. I could be wrong though. Um, or helped bankroll them. He was like friends with Warren Worthington and stuff, but it is, I don't know exactly, but it's a weird kind of choice, but it's a nice little Easter egg. Cause it's always nice to see a name that you recognize from the comics. I love anytime they put like a something. Oh, I recognize that it works. Gary, yep. it works on me. Like I'm not gonna. I'm not above it. It works every single time they do it. And this is something else where they they start they introduce a thing as if it's always been the issue, but it hasn't. Where Beast is like, there are eleven mutants who disappeared, and they were all on the mutant control agency watch list, as if the X Men had been investigating the mutant control agency for months, and that well, like. Is it- as if the X Men even care because it's never brought up again. No, it's very <laughs> weird. <laughs> it's a very weird thing. 
uh, I don't. Again, Beast just being totally insufferable during this whole thing. By the way, yeah. <laughs> like at one point he says, "Do if you prick me, don't don't I bleed the same or whatever?" And even the judge is done with this shit. Yeah. The judge is like, "Please, can you just stop talking?" <laughs> he, the judge doesn't. He doesn't just say that as if we all know that because it's an expression. He even says like, "As the immortal bard said," like he doesn't. Uh, he always <laughs> the problem with him is he always cites his sources. Like he That's he talks exactly like he's right. like he's he's writing a, a paper. And listen, college boy, you're no longer writing a paper. You're just talking to your buddy, the judge. Yeah, we we haven't even seen you do any science shit. We haven't <laughs> like, seen you do you anything, need, you buddy. Need to step up. Yeah, like you haven't done anything. You're just like, you're just the guy who has read a lot of books. Shut the fuck up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hope the th- running theme for the show is to shut the fuck up, Hank McCoy. Just yeah, shut up. Any number of Nobody people wants will, you to talk right now. will eventually have to shut the fuck up. But it's definitely Hank McCoy in the That's initial. True. Um, so, so Sabretooth pops in here uh, to to actually do the rabble rousing. You know mm-hmm. that you mentioned. This is like he does the mystique thing, um, and uh, the guards are able to take him down. Um, they're going to kill him, but Cyclops stops them, and uh, more or less like this man's in my custody. And they're like, "All right, guy, <laughs> see you later." <laughs> He's legit. That sweet blue outfit. <laughs> Go yeah. right ahead. Yeah, you take him. Um, <laughs> you are pretty much a walking thin blue line right now, man. You, you have it. You got it. <laughs> Um, better you than me. Uh, and, and Wolverine is just like furious that he's even there. Like Wolverine's going to go in and kill him and take him off light support. Uh, and he does it. He literally switches off his life support, which is amazing. Um, and, and, and starts taking him out, but he gets stopped by everyone. And they say like, what are you doing? And he's like, no, he's dangerous. He's the worst. Trust me. And they're like, a lot of people thought that about you. And the, the X-Men kind of like taking in villains is something they, they do constantly. And it never works other than when it worked for rogue and Wolverine. Anytime from there on out in the comics or in the show, like Sabretooth is an X-Men from time to time and is mm-hmm. not the worst person in the world, but he's never like a hero. Um, and a lot of people they take in, it ends up being a mistake. Just about every single one of them. Like, yeah. I mean, like Emma Frost, I guess was on that list. Oh, with sure. Wolverine, but that's only, that's only in the last, like probably ever since Grant Morrison's run 10 yeah. years ago. Um, and even then, it's not like she's like been innocent since then. She's just been not bad. Well, and they they didn't <laughs> take her a- in then. Like they invited her in there because she's always been a little bit on the like not always, but oh yeah, I fairly, guess I guess that is a distinction. Yeah, you're yeah, right. Fairly early on, she went to kind of gray, you know, gray morality. Um, she's just been a hero since then, um, which is great. Like I love what he did with that character. Like I love uh, Grant Morrison Emma Frost. Um. So yeah, so Wolverine eventually he's like, hey, uh, you know, I'm I'm getting out of here. And uh, th- this thing gets inter- interrupted. Or actually, that happens next episode. But the, they get yeah. interrupted because Magneto's attacking a missile base. Which sets off alarms at the X-Mansion because <laughs> Professor Xavier is weird. <laughs> He's just a weird guy. He's kind of hooked up to every uh, every missile base. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my the God. Power of Google late for class again. Show. How do you know that, <laughs> Professor Xavier? You're being a creep. It's not Cerebro <laughs> or his mental powers. It's just like flashing lights and klaxons. <laughs> I know it's it's really weird. You're the world's greatest telepath, um, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so Magneto has has broken into the missile base, which I can only say with like capital letters because I guess it's the only one in upstate New York. <laughs> um, but he goes to the missile base and he aims all of the missiles, which are I guess are just implied that they're like nuclear warheads. No, they actually specifically say they're nuclear yeah. warheads, but aims them back at the at the base. 
mm-hmm. for reasons. Like, I don't really understand why he's doing this other than just to fuck some humans up. Irony. Um, well, he, he says he actually plans that. That's exactly why he's doing it. There's a part where they show him in front of his crime computer, and he's like, uh, hmm, way out of strike. I guess it doesn't matter as oh, no, long no, as there that's, are humans. That's, that's the next episode. That's when oh, he picks he, the chemical plant. You're right. He does it twice. <laughs> well, it, that's his MMO, or that's his MO. We can, that's his, that's multi, his massive MMO. multi. It's just the chemical based chooser 2000 simulator. The, um, so we assume that's what he does, is he just finds places with humans to, to bait out Xavier, I guess. Um, but the, the thing, the stupid thing is, this is where he shoots the missiles, and Storm is going to go sacrifice herself, and then Xavier says, let me know what Cerebro knows about the warheads, and then she can short-circuit them with electricity. This is just the Matrix. It's this so is exactly what this is. It's, it's so it's dumb. It's literally Neo in the Matrix. It's really dumb. How can Xavier read the mind of a missile? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. I mean, would it have been, like, because they do the whole animation effect where you see, like, Xavier's mind fade into the screen. Like, just have another dude on the side. It's like, I have contacted a nuclear scientist. <laughs> I've okay. downloaded the way to disable the missile. There's, you are a cartoon. You can do anything. But nope. <laughs> I'm gonna read the I'm gonna read the missile's mind. Where where are do. you going to find uh, experts on a missile base? Oh wait, <laughs> like at the goddamn <laughs> missile base you're already at. At the, at the missile base, there's got to be at least one guy that knows how to turn off a fucking missile. <laughs> it is it's it's crazy. Um and and then they uh, uh they do the thing. So this is this is I do like these episodes. I, I'm with you. It is a weird thing though because this episode is very much just the same. More or less, same thing happens again. In the next episode. The next episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I guess Magneto actually wanted Xavier to come out, you know, at this point. He didn't. So this is where, in the next episode, is where he like, goes on the crime computer. And, and we, uh, we, should, we should mention that the when the X-Men show up to the missile base and Magneto's, like, hanging out and he does his, like, speech or whatever, he just wipes the fucking floor with the yeah. X-Men. Like, there's not even a fight. Like, the, the X-Men are literally lifted in the air and dropped like a like a... Like a pile of X-Men. I don't even know what metaphor would be there. <laughs> it's like he's playing with his toys. instantly knocked out. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. It, it's, ama- it's an amazing scene, too, because th- one of the things is this show is not animated perfectly, and there's some real issues with scale. Um, and this is one of those things, too, where he bunches them all up in an electric circle, and they they don't look proportionate at all. Like, he puts them on the floor, and it looks like they're further in the field of view than the actual floor. <laughs> like, it's really great. You have to see it. Um yeah, so, so eventually we're going to get that crime computer in this uh, fourth episode here, which and the fourth episode, which is entitled uh, Deadly Reunions. Um, so it's not a part two, even though it is. Um, Deadly, Deadly Reunions, original air date, January 23rd, 1993, uh, where Magneto destroys a chemical plant to draw the X-Men away from their headquarters. While the X-Men are away, Sabretooth breaks away uh, from his wrist bindings and captures Jubilee. But when Wolverine discovers his nemesis holding Jubilee captive, things escalate to a feverish pitch. And feverish pitch is the expression used in the official... <laughs> synopsis <laughs> yeah yeah I should, I should note um also this official synopsis that i pulled from somewhere online is totally wrong like Sabretooth doesn't break away from his wrist no jubilee all. just straight up lets, lets him go which is again yeah. is, is a, a very specific comic callback because that happens in a comic mm-hmm. like there's a very famous mid-90s x-men comic where uh Sabretooth, well that happens because of blackout maybe but where Sabretooth gets out and stalks jubilee uh, yeah. through the X-Mansion. And that's a, it's a really famous and well-thought-of comic from the 90s, and uh, that's what this is referencing. But there's, there's a lot of stuff that goes on here, including Magneto uh, Magneto checking out the crime computer to find anywhere where Homo sapiens can be used as bait. Yeah, including the chemical plant, because uh, I put down the quote in here. Yeah, because without them, life itself would be impossible. <laughs> Chemicals. <laughs> that's so Thanks, good. Thanks, Magneto. Thanks for teaching us <laughs> a lesson that. about chemicals 
Yeah. That's so Tell good. me about what like the strongest stem cell is. I don't know what you're trying to teach me right now. I'm 13. What, what, what would care. life be like like without matter, Magneto? <laughs> <laughs> like, what would life be out, like without solids? Mm. Um, and then um, before this, we get to something we talked about a little bit ago, which is um, Professor Xavier trying to heal Sabretooth. Like at this point, like Sabretooth has, has woken up and is talking to them, and Xavier is convinced he can rehabilitate Sabretooth just like he did with Wolverine. And there's scenes where like Wolverine wants to kick him out, and Storm is like, well, that sounds like what we said about you, Wolverine. And he's mm-hmm. like, fuck this, I'm gone, and he leaves. But Wolverine, excuse me, Xavier then goes into Sabretooth's mind, and then there's this dream sequence that is. I'm going to have to find something that has to be on YouTube somewhere because people need to see this, Gary. Like, it is the most bizarre thing out of the four episodes that we, we've watched so far, right? Like, it's just the weirdest shit that I've ever seen on a Saturday morning cartoon, I think. It's really, really strange. Like, whenever whenever Xavier is in the mindscape, it's weird. And it's weird, too, because it, it's... if you Because like, we know the comics, so it's fun to see these Easter eggs. Um, it would be a bewildering, like it would be bewildering if you were just watching this. And you didn't know this because they show one of the things they show here is like his time back with the uh, with Weapon X. So this is where you like you end up seeing like Deadpool, Deadpool and Maverick and stuff inside his brain. Yeah, I think um, Omega Red shows up at some point, and some chick from uh, Alpha Flight that I can't I can't yeah. remember any of her names, but yeah, yeah, like you get some weird references up in this place for sure. Yeah, and then Wolverine shows up, but like monster Wolverine <laughs> with yellow fur yeah. and black mascara. <laughs> yeah. It was the style at the time. So fucking weird. Yeah. Uh, anyway, anyway. Um, so yeah, that happens, and then Magneto decides to attack the chemical plant. The X Men show up over there. This is like you said. I didn't really think about it, but it's exactly the same thing with the missile base. Like he just attacks somewhere. The X Men show up. They. And they fight. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Except for this time, you know, the uh, Xavier comes out, which is what he wanted, apparently, to let Sabretooth be able to escape, according to the synopsis, even though that would, that's a real long con, because you'd have to know that Jubilee was going to do something stupid. <laughs> um, but they fight first, um, you know, there. And they, uh, they, they are, no, they don't fight just yet. This is, they're, they're going to fight soon. Um, because they, they show the scene with Jubilee first, right? Yeah. Where, uh, mm-hmm. where she actually like is watching Sabretooth and lets him out. Um, he has, he says like his arm hurts or something like yeah, that. She, no, she even says, she's like, look at your wrist. And he's like, oh no, it's, I'm a strong man. It's not going to bother me. And she's like, well, I can help you if you promise to be still. Yeah. Like what the fuck? The guy has fangs, Jubilee. He has <laughs> I've figured out why she got attacked by Dracula. She's got a fang fetish. She's got a guy for guys with fangs. He's also he's he's his proportions are ridiculous. He looks like a Gears of War character. Like he is he's such a beef boy. It's like not only is that fangs, but he's like ten times the size of you. Don't let him out. Yeah. What are you doing? Like you're you've got to be like fourteen in this in this cartoon. You think like seventeen? I don't I don't know if it ever shows her age, but geez, what are you doing with your life? The uh, aggravating. Back in the comics, when I used to read about her, um, she would. she, there were like several times in which she was kind of sexualized, even though she was supposed to be a teen, because that's comics and it sucks. Um, of course. But but then there was a uh, one of the things I liked about the Generation X comic is Chris Piccolo doesn't do that. Like he draws everybody, um, he never like does sexualized costumes really, um, or he didn't mm-hmm. then. And uh, he, he drew the, there was like this book that came out that was like the Generation X yearbook, and it was like a fake yearbook from Xavier's Institute. And it was really cool. Um, but Julie's thing was like her age was listed as 13 and a half with an exclamation point. And it's like, Jesus Christ, man, like this is somebody who like has been shoving her boobs in my face in comics yeah, more than she yeah, should. It's like, always really creepy. Yeah. yeah like, I mean, it's not like she was as sexualized as like Rogue was, but it was still like pretty gross. 
Oh God, man! Like the, the we, we, that's a whole other thing with the sexualization of comics. Like it's just really, it's so bad. Yeah, it's so bad. Yeah, I do not need uh, anyway. need all those boobs. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Maybe at the time I did. I'm going to be honest with you, Gary. I was kind of a shitty kid. Like probably at the time I really appreciated the boobs. Like I was 13. Like I just boobs were a thing. Like it didn't matter if they were realistic. But like now I'm like, dude, do we really need all these boobs in comics? Like, just give them anyway. Well, man, I'm, I'm, it's like I'm not. I'm not like opposed to boobs now. I'm just like not as into them in my comic. I don't need animated boobs. I don't need giant inflatable balloons in my boobs. Yeah, How about we, that? yeah, weird. Yeah, I don't need that. Um, anywho. Uh, and without them, we wouldn't even have life. The, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Magneto goes to the boob factory. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Without these, we would not be able to feed our infants. <laughs> hmm. um, I lost ex- all track of where we were. Well, so, like, the, yeah, like so plots, X-Men have shown up. Yeah, they, they kind of mm-hmm. cut back and forth, so we're probably not getting the exact chronology here. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, but X-Men are at the chemical factory. They've shown up and... Magne- for, as far as I can tell, Magneto's whole goal is just to spill the chemicals at the chemical factory. Like he's not like rerouting them into the water supply, or he's not like he's not doing anything grand with it. He's just fucking the building up. And so no. X Men show up, and he kind of just wipes the floor with them again, right? Like, yeah, like yeah. And, and and this is where they introduce a couple things. This is where uh, Storm's claustrophobia is introduced. Like she gets buried under yep. some rubble, and uh, and freaks out, and then everybody tries to fight Magneto on the can't because he's great until Xavier uh, kind of has this ideological argument with him, and it's the same thing that we've seen and we will see over and over again. Um, you know, this idea of like, hey, uh, you know, why would you try to cause the same thing that you came from? And like, well, maybe if people had been done more action, then people wouldn't have died, etc. And uh, he actually tips Xavier out of his, his chair, which, uh, you know, whenever something like somebody pushes Xavier out of his wheelchair, you know, like, oh, shit, things are serious. And uh, Shit's about to get real, Gary. Yeah. Shit's about to get real. <laughs> but then Xavier zaps him with mind things and makes him relive the, the trauma of the Holocaust because Xavier is amazing in this episode. And, and that's enough. to And Emmanuel begs him to stop. And Xavier says no. <laughs> until over, until Xavier, until Magneto has to leave because he can't bear living his family dying in the Holocaust again, as forced by Professor Xavier, the most invasive uh, force. Yeah, the the creepiest of you know therapist of psychotherapist you've ever seen in your entire life. Like this is just like at this at this point rewatching this as an adult, I kind of had some sympathy for Magneto. Like I was thinking to myself, like he probably doesn't want to relive that. It's probably been twenty years since he relived that vividly. Like yeah. he probably just remembers that, not relives it every single day. That's a fucked up thing to do, Xavier. Like he's just literally spilling some iodine. Like just clean it up. <laughs> he's, he's just <laughs> knocking over vats. It, it is, uh, yeah, it is. It is an overreaction. Uh, pretty extreme overreaction here. Um, so yeah, then uh, you know, Jubilee totally lets Sabretooth escape. She's still fine, I think, at this point. Um, or Wolverine heads back, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so during this fight, Wolverine has left, and I don't remember where. I don't remember where Wolverine exited. He must have had a had a fight with Xavier. Well, about yeah, he says he, he very specifically says, "Hey, if he stays, I don't." That's, that's and leaves. And Xavier's so, like, "If you leave, don't come back." And it's like <laughs> you get the sense like they have this fight every week. And, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, they're just constantly breaking up with each other, and getting right yeah. back together again. Um, so, but but Wolverine shows back up and like here's the fight between Sabretooth and Jubilee, which is not much of a fight. It's pretty much Sabretooth just like manhandling Jubilee and saying like, "Let me go," or I'll let you go free. And she lets him go, and he's like, "Well, now I'm just going to kill you fast." Wolverine shows up, and then they kind of stand off. And I don't know if you were paying attention to their screen real close during this fight, Gary. There's a a really weird bit of animation that like 
Sabretooth is talking and he's telling Wolverine something, but like he's kind of he's doing like a little two step shuffle towards Wolverine <laughs> while he's doing it. <laughs> it's a really bizarre piece of animation and a and a show that is full of it. Um, and then and then they fight and I think Sabretooth runs off right. Like that's the the. Like he doesn't win. Oh no, no, yeah, because he attacks. He swipes at Wolverine and like cuts him all up, and everybody like is like, "Oh shit, we haven't explained Wolverine's healing factor yet. We have to take care of him." Yeah. <laughs> so Wolverine and then Sabretooth escapes. And this this has the really you know the badass Wolverine thing where he's like, "You like picking on people smaller than you pick on me." Um, you know, <laughs> and it's like none of the Wolverine lines stand up on their own as text, but the delivery is so good that like Wolverine comes off as awesome in this cartoon. I think. Yeah, he's he is one of the better voice actors in this whole thing. Wolverine, we've we've talked about it. We talked about it a little bit yeah. at the beginning of the episode. But Wolverine is definitely one of my favorites. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, so that that's uh, and so Wolverine's back and Sabretooth leaves. Um, so uh, Xavier, you know, Xavier shows up to to kind of like say, "Hey, I'm back." You know, what is it, what's the deal with this? Um, and and uh, starts lecturing Wolverine, but then Jubilee uh, actually says, "Hey, Sabretooth is about to kill me." Um, you know, this is this is what we should should be doing. The um, that's why they escape. Um, Xavier apologizes to Wolverine for not listening to him, um, which is fine. Like again, characters are admitting their wrongs here. Um, there's a little plot point mm-hmm. too that happens that's like just kind of a cutaway, where uh, Gyrick um, says like, "Hey, you know this Sabretooth guy attached with this court, the president should have never uh, rescinded the Mutant Control Act. Like I'm going to run for president," and that ends up being a major plot point for the season as well. Mm-hmm. This anti-mutant bigot, um, and then when when Magneto actually, you know. Uh, escapes, he ends up overlooking the city and saying, like, hey, there are probably other people who will understand my cause and join me. I need to form my own team. You can almost hear him say the words brotherhood. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you, can almost, you can almost hear it coming out of his mouth. Again, kind um, of portending. And yeah. And that's pretty much the end of the of the first four episodes. Um, it, we get a, like you mentioned earlier, the great CG ending credits, yeah. um, which I'll try, to, I'll try to represent somewhere, but it's some really good music there, too. It's, it's pretty nice. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much it, right? That's that kind of sums it up. We have some really great episodes coming up. Like we see um, the Morlocks come into it, Apocalypse uh, comes into it. I mean, there's some great stuff that happens the, in the first season. The Morlocks are next, and like I feel like I mean, it's not the the Morlock Christmas episode, which I feel like we could just do a podcast about that. I would be happy to talk about mm-hmm. the Morlock Christmas episode once a week for the rest of my life. <laughs> um, just and all because of that Morlock who has to turn into a table. Like I, I'm, I'm, I mean, you're going to get sick of hearing me talk about it, but like in the Morlock Christmas episode, the X Men show up to have Christmas in the sewer with the Morlocks amidst all the like medical waste and shit, and mm-hmm. one of the Morlocks decides to turn into a table so they can all eat off of him because that poor motherfucker doesn't get a Christmas dinner because he has to be the table. It's so good. It's like my favorite thing that's ever happened in a cartoon. <laughs> like it is that poor guy. Like, like, well, how'd you get here, Tabley? Why'd you join the, the Morlocks? <laughs> yeah, what, what's your what's your superpower, Table Man? <laughs> it's so sad. Oh, like, you think he can turn into any type of table? Like, do you think he's <laughs> like, like an some end really table? interesting power? Yeah, yeah. Now I'm an like, end table. Oh, I need a gurney over here. Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> I can't do gurneys. <laughs> end table is his arch enemy. The um, <laughs> yeah, the, uh, oh, I know he can geez. turn into anything, but he only turns into like trash cans and stuff. Like he's he's such a goofy Morlock. Um, so we're gonna get to that. We're gonna get to Cable, which like I could talk about Cable's first appearance in the oh, show forever. Um, and then have you uh, man, have you seen Deadpool yet? Did you did you I, go watch Deadpool? I haven't. I, I've I uh, I'm, I'm not a big fan of that character, so I'm not chomping at the bit to go see it. 
<clears throat> but I don't know if there's a spoiler we're saying like they've specifically said that if they get a second movie they're going to put Cable in it and I'm like what yeah, I, what I, possible incar- in, 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 incarnation of Cable could you fit into a Deadpool movie like well, what are you going to do <laughs> yeah you, you would just end up like simplifying things a lot like you, I would I would dig that like that would get me a, get me to see it because I like Cable a lot um, more you know significantly more than I like Deadpool so maybe that would that would make me want to watch it, but it would, I don't know how they would do it, and it would also end up being like he would be the guy who was like annoyed the same way I was at Deadpool, um, which would be valuable, I guess. Yeah, there's there's no way he would not be the straight man in that, which would be if yeah. they pulled it off, it, it would be good. But yeah, I'm I'm very much looking forward to getting into some cable shenanigans. I, I love that stuff. I, and his bionic arm and his gleaming eye and the whole thing, like that's just my jam. He's super cool. Like his his voice actor is great too. And then we're also gonna show up with this or get to the stuff with Bishop, and like. Boy, the bishop arc in this is amazing. He's so good. Like, oh, like I love Bishop, man. He's his, so cool. His, like this. his voice actor was like, "It killed millions and thousands more in my future." Like he's he's got this <laughs> delivery of lines that are just like so incredible. Um, oh, dude, yeah. so good. Yeah, so lots lots to look forward to. This this these four episodes do a great job of setting up the premise. Like we're running into threats from the government that hate and fear us. We're running into people who are extremists. Like the X Men are caught in the middle. We get a good good uh, kind of introduction to everybody, and now we're going to spend the next couple seasons uh, exploring some of the storylines and then exploring kind of the backstory on individual characters and the like. So. So, and um and we hope we hope you like the episode. Um let us know. Um if you want to go to, want to go to ducktv.tv slash contact yep. and let us know if you like the episode. Uh, right now this is being released on the Duckfeed TV Presents, which is has a kind of a a bunch of kind of special episodes from the Duckfeed guys, Gary and Cole. Um and we we I keep I want to make more of these. I would probably schedule time with Gary just to do this and record it and never release it. And like never I, tell I would, me. I'm just ha- yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm I'm just happy to do this, but I would very much like for you guys to to enjoy it and, and to share this with us a little bit. Yeah. So if, yeah, if you like it, definitely. Uh, you know, you can hit us up if you go to Slack. Um, if you're a two dollar or above patron, you can talk to us about it there. Um, if there's, you know, we'll probably talk about it in the comics channel, at least initially, yeah. or movies and TV. But then if uh, there's enough interest, we'll start a channel and stuff. If you want to chat, um, and let us know if you like it, because this is the Duck Feed presents is a series of experiments. Um, this is fun. I'm super glad to do it. We've been talking about doing this for an amazingly long time, uh, for having not actually done it. Um, I can't remember. I want to say like the very first episode of Bonfire Side Chat, like we, we briefly touched on the X-Men and we're like, wait, what? And like something happened. Like not the first episode, the first episode I was on, I should, I should clarify. That that was like the origin of us having this interest, but we specifically talked about doing an animated series show, like beginning of last summer, like summer 15 or something. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like it has been a long time. Yeah. It's been, it's been a really long time, but I'm glad we, we finally have the infrastructure on the network to do kind of one-offs stuff. And I know I happen to know about some other one-off stuff that Cole's planning, which is super cool. Um, and, uh, I like the idea of a variety show on the network quite a bit. I think that those are Carrie. I also know about those plans. I I know you I'm in the the know. (laughs) I know. I, I, uh, are you in the know? Um, I'm in the know. (laughs) I, uh, I, I, even though like, I, I feel like a variety channel, on on a podcast is probably like listener death. Like people who know will will want to listen to it, but like just like as just a podcast fan, you're not going to be like, oh, this is a a different. Like sometimes it's this live Q and A thing without a video component, but the people act like other people can see them. And then sometimes it's about a cartoon, and sometimes it's about a book. What's going on? Um, but I like it because I'm more. There are things I'm interested in more than just like numbers, you know. Um, so I'm way into the 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 network having the infrastructure for this, even if it is not a. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, it's not going to like blow. It's, we're not going to get serial numbers on this bad boy. And but if um, you out there listening are like me and you discovered Gary and Cole's DuckFeed.tv network and we're like, 
oh my god, I want to support these guys. Um, they do have a Patreon. Gary mentioned it earlier. You can go to patreon.com slash duckfeed. Is it Duckfeed TV or just Duckfeed? Uh, Duckfeed TV. Duckfeed, patreon.com slash Duckfeed TV. And um, toss them a couple bones every month. $2 gets you into the Slack, which is probably the coolest place on the internet to hang out. Um, you can hang out with cool people like Jeremy Greer, who I am. Yeah. I'm, over, I'm in the Slack all the time. Um, and a ton of other people that also donate to Gary and Cole and keep stuff like this network and the shows alive. Like they, those boys do a good job and you, you, sh- you should reward them just a little bit, a little bit of your pocket change every month. It is, uh, it is very, very fun. Um, like it is, it is a great place to, to be. And it's like two bucks a month, which is almost nothing to be on a really cool forum where everyone is respectful and nice and talks about fun shit. Um, Yeah. Yes, I think that's where else can uh, where else can they find you on the internet besides duckfeed.tv? Uh, my Twitter handle is at Gary G A R Y B U H, and then you can also um, that's probably the best way to, to get in touch with me. Uh, how about you? Um, I am at J G Greer on Twitter, and um, you can also find me at my normal gaming podcast at darkinsight.net. Mm-hmm. Thank you guys for listening, and uh, we hope you tune in for the next episode. Yeah, what, did the X-Men have a way that they end the cartoon or anything? It's not Excelsior, is it? Oh my god, it's not Excelsior. <laughs> it's, I don't think it, it's Excelsior. Um, I don't think they have, I don't think the X-Men has like a, like a sign-off, or To Me My X-Men is about the only thing I can come up yeah, with. Yeah, that, that, that's a, that's a sign-on. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, let's get the party started. That's yeah, not shutting the party down. Yeah, we've got to figure out how to, uh, how to shut the party down. Um, Eureka. <laughs> Eureka! Yeah, let's just quote uh, some Gravity's Rainbow. Hold yeah. on, let me pull it up. As, as the Bard said, as the Tolstoy said. Yes. Uh, we could probably just fade out for this one, and we'll hopefully make it better. Hopefully, have another one. Yeah, we'll just fade out while we're still talking. So.